straight away. I just have a couple of announcements. Um, I've been meeting with um, different uh, groups, the teams in the church regarding our survey. So if I've missed you and you want to connect, please just send me an email and we can review that. Um, also, I want to thank everybody for your tithes and offerings and maintaining that, even with the distance, it's incredible. Um, we thank you that we've been in a position that we were able to make those hires with um, Raheem Curry and AJ Wallace, who's coming on in August. And so we're just excited to, to be moving forward in this way and to have a team that we can be uh, creatively speak about how our future will look. So um, as we're coming together, we will uh, just share things with you that are happening for us. So um, today, a, um, Rahim and I were able to get together this week and record a couple of songs um, for worship today that we'd like to share with you. And so I hope you're blessed uh, in the music. We'll talk in a second. Good morning, Mosaic. It is wonderful to be with you and in the presence of God as we share and worship. We are um, asking God to be with us today as we um, seek his face on what our future looks like as a congregation. So uh, join with us, relax, sit back, lift your hands up, hum, sing out loud as we share Holy Spirit with you. Yeah. 
right? I had to turn the volume down. <laughs> oh, Holy Spirit, we are so grateful to be in your presence, to know that you love us, and that your care is transforming our lives. I pray, oh Lord, that you would use me to speak to your people. Um, so I just ask you to hide me behind your cross, um, and that in the words that I speak, may you be glorified. May you help us have hearts to hear what you're saying to us, how you want to transform our lives. We desire you. We seek you, Lord, recognizing our need and the joy of knowing you. And this is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So we are, or we as a people and as a nation, we're in the midst of a struggle. Um, it's a struggle for our generation that will define us. Um, this time, this season in our lives will be recorded in the history books. Accounts will be given of who lived and who died uh, based on whoever, as Hamilton says, tells our story. But they also tell of who fought and how the various fronts of this struggle were presented. We're making history. And the question, one of the questions in my mind is, where's the American church in the struggle? And as a whole, I'm not really sure. I don't, I don't know the answer to that question because we aren't moving together um, as, a, as a body to have impact. 
But what I can do is ask the question, is ask the question to us, Mosaic. Where are we in the midst of this struggle? Incredible things are taking place right before our eyes. We have um, seen reports of children being separated from their families and placed in cages, little cages, and their children to this day that are still there, even though it isn't with the popular headlines. These things are still happening. The othering of people is taking place um, in a way that we haven't been exposed to maybe since World War II. Um, children are looking for freedom, they're looking for shelter, they're looking for education. Um, but we have taken the very fiber of what gives them stability, their parents, away from them as an example on why not to come. And yet we have a history of saying, send us your poor. Send those who are in need. Um, but our response now is to do harm. And we've done it in the past as well. Extreme limits have been placed on who's able to enter into our country and who can gain recognized status within our shores. When our nation could have acted decisively to prevent the deaths of over 400,000 people, we struggled to exercise the influence needed to make our leaders act. And there can't be any othering in that. We, we are in a time where we want to blame someone else, but in truth, we are the American people and this is our country and we outnumber our leaders. And so the influence that we have over them, we have to exercise collectively. They're now those dressed in camouflage without identification, <clears throat> seizing American citizens. We've been, uh, it's been uh, reported and seen images that make you feel like you're watching a grade B movie, you know? Uh, people are handcuffed and black hoods are placed over their heads and they're put in you know, cars and driven around. I mean, it's just these things feel like rumors, but they're threats to our way of life. And uh, you and I could go on and on naming the things that are taking place in our country. One of the, the, the things that I was raised with is that the important role of, of the church, of the people of the church, to speak to power, our need to stand up for justice and for righteousness, for truth. Um, and we still need to do that. <clears throat> Please hear me. I'm not trying to have a political conversation on one party or another. I'm just speaking about basic humanity. I don't want to talk about human politics or national politics. But I think it's important for us to locate ourselves during this season of struggle and stress. <clears throat> there's crazy, there's just so much crazy stuff going down. And, and, and when I watch the news and I listen to the things, the conversations that are being had and participate in them, I keep hearing echoes of the garden, God calling to the first humans there after their stuff went down. God saying to them, where are you? Or we could say it this way, Adam and Eve, where are you? But at that point in history, they were simply called 
Adam, Adam, humanity. So the question should be called out this way, humanity, where are you? Where are you, humanity? And for me, I hear humanity, where's your humanity? Where's your compassion? Where's your benevolence? Where's your brotherly love and kindness? There's so much happening. And each news cycle can throw so much at us that it just feels like we're on a loop of despair. Our heart rates increase. Um, we're looking at the evictions rising as we've gone through the summer and no provisions are being made. We're looking at people not getting any type of employment, uh, unemployment checks next month. And Congress went home, which is bad. I'm, a, I'm just the lack of respect for the people of our country. There are incredibly long lines that people are waiting in their cars all day to get a COVID test. It, it, it brings despair to me. It hurts my heart, you know? And, um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm silly or what, but I think in terms of music a lot. And so, in addition to hearing God in the, in the garden asking humanity where, where's our humanity? And that, that song from Rent, remember the, the musical Rent? Uh, goes through my head. head. Um, you know, we're ready to sing, but I'm gonna try a little bit. Will I lose my dignity? Will someone care? Will I wake tomorrow? I know I can't hit this nose, from this nightmare. And it's just like so true and how many people's dignity are put at stake right now. And the ways that, uh, that our country could come around folks. And it's not just up to leaders and for us to throw up our hands and go, it's just our leader's responsibility and they're not acting, it's on us. And so there was excitement and there remains excitement about the people who are going out and protesting but still more action where things need to be done to take care of the people, the needs of the people. How are we all dealing with this? I think there's something that happened before we get to actually moving. There's something that is trying to take us over that we to different degrees or different dimensions or struggling with. Because I think one of the very human responses to everything that's taking place is apathy. A more strict definition of apathy would say, would, would, would define it as a lack of interest or a lack of enthusiasm and concern. We don't seem to be doing enough to fight what's happening around us. COVID makes us feel isolated and we're, we wanna be careful but even now as we're venturing out, we're still seeing that there is a kind of apathy that even works in denial. The news is still going, you know, for ratings instead of really highlighting and sharing the stories that truly we truly need to know about. But yet and still, even though the de definition of apathy says there's a lack of interest, we're still interested. I do believe we're concerned. And Again, when we needed to, we took to the streets in protest, but we are also overwhelmed. So I speak of another understanding of apathy, the apathy that tries to rise up within us to protect us. That's the point of it, because we get so overwhelmed. 
There can be so many, many feelings that they become excessive and, and all-consuming. And we find it difficult to function in our daily lives. And apathy rises up. It rises up within us um, and it cuts off our emotions, our interests, our concerns, just so we can make it through another day. In psychological terms, apathy is viewed as a feeling or the feeling of a lack of feeling or as an attitude, an attitude of indifference or detachment, listlessness that, that paralyzes us. It saps our energy, makes us lethargic and listless. It gets in the way of our sleeping and it makes us passive. And this passivity that it breeds is extremely dangerous. It's like being a crab or a lobster in a pot and the flame is being turned up and you don't know you're dying. Where does it come from? It comes from a loss of hope. A loss of hope that, that I can find, that we can find personal happiness and fulfillment, that, that we start doubting that it's even possible or we, we, we cut our losses and try to make ourselves very small so we can ensure the stability and happiness of our families, our small few. But that is contrary to the way God created the world to be. That is contrary to being able to access the blessing that God has for us in unity and in community. But this is a loss of faith in ourselves, in our access to God, and also in God's ability to speak and act in our times right now. Apathy is dangerous because we lose the ability to confront life's challenges. Apathy is dangerous because we lose the ability to envision a better future for ourselves, for those we love, for our city, our nation, for our world. Apathy is an enemy but it comes in like a friend. We're told in scripture that where there is no vision, the people perish. That's from Proverbs 29, 18. Now the Amplified Version says it this way, where there is no vision, no revelation of God and God's word, the people are unrestrained. And that word unrestrained can mean unchecked, reckless, or even run away. And so, Apathy threatens us, it threatens our existence, and it threatens our, I think it threatens our godlikeness, that God has given us authority in the earth to make culture, to make community, to make a caring society. But apathy goes, you know, say la vie, whatever's going to happen, like that's life, instead of us being taking or seizing the places that we can control and have influence and exercising that influence. Apathy is an enemy, and it's an enemy that many of us are contending with presently, and we have to fight it. It's not a one-time fight, though, because we can rear up and, and manage to get up and do something for a day, a couple of weeks, but because we are in this situation, and it's like Groundhog Day, we feel like we're living the same day over and over again, it can overwhelm us again. And it, it's so wet, it's like a, uh, so heavy, it's like a wet blanket. 
that threatens to suffocate us. I've been thinking about my own battle with apathy. And that, that sounds really good. I've been thinking about my battle. I'm, I'm rare for the battle. But the truth is, um, I want to fight apathy, even more so than I'm doing now. So I've been praying, and I've been looking for God to enter in. So my question has been, how do I fight this apathy? How do I lead this fight in my church, our church, against apathy that we can be a portion of the American church that is acting? And we are, please, this is not all or nothing. Uh, we are engaging, but I really do sense that there is that apathy that's threatening us. Um, so the simple answer to how can I fight this and how can I help us fight this is simple and it's complex answer to the question. I believe I need, we need a deeper spirituality, a deeper walk with God through all of this madness. There are so many perspectives on spirituality. Um, so for the purpose of our conversation today, I want to define spirituality this way. Spirituality is our connection with something, and for us as Christians, it's actually our connection with someone bigger than ourselves, Jesus, and connecting with Jesus and discovering meaning in life, which is hope. So this led me to pick up uh, with some old dialogue partners that I had previously, some former reading buddies. So I went to uh, James Cone. And I picked up the Black, theolo Black Liberation Theology. And I went to Gustavo Gutierrez and the Latin American Liberation Theologies. Um, they were both considered founders uh, in both uh, those, uh, those areas. Um, and I started reading and in some ways remembering and then listening and God is, is working with my heart. And I pray that as I share these next things with you, that the Lord will be work with your heart as well for this need for a deeper spirituality. So let me explain uh, why I sought out these two to address my need for a deeper spirituality, for my need to address apathy. Now, by way of explaining this, I want to talk about the title of the sermon. The title of the sermon is, um, Have You Been Converted Since You First Believed? In the Christian church, this term, we've often used it, um, the word converted to speak of a person coming to the initial belief in Jesus, to bring someone uh, from one belief to another. Um, you know, at one state, you weren't a Christian or you weren't a follower of Jesus, and now you are, you've been converted. So we see the term uh, in terms of a state of being, which is true. And it's a gift of God that we don't give ourselves, that God has made available for us to act on. And so we, there's that traditional use. But there's also the meaning that speaks to the process of change in our lives. When something is converted, it's, it's been adapted to be suitable for a new purpose. I would say that we are in a constant process of change or being adapted. Um, it's a process of growth, of being made useful for new godly purposes, right? 
So the question, have you been converted since you first believed, is a question of where are you right now in the process? Our belief um, in Jesus's life, his death, his resurrection, is the launch per point to begin our, our process of conversion. Now, I, like everybody else, probably wish everything would happen all at once and I would know everything and I could function in this world and understand it, but clearly that's not how it works. Um, it's a process. So I'm being converted. You're being converted. And that process of participating in conversion is a daily process of me developing a deepening spirituality, a deepening connection with Jesus to discover meaning in life and to live within the framework of those discoveries. Spirituality. In my life, I've found that my Latinx uh, siblings are far more comfortable using this term spirituality, right? And there's a vibrancy in their use, almost in an excitement. No, I don't think excitement is the right word. There's a sparkle, a sparkle that radiates as they speak about their spirituality. And I found it to be a light that shines hope to me. And I love God because I was reminded, even as I was studying this this week, the Lord had one of my friends, Aprilis, call me. And she's one that that, that word is so vibrant in, um, in, her, in her communication, in her conversation. And, and I, you know, it was God saying, yep, this is what I want you to talk about. Um, there's life that comes from our spirituality. It's a, a, a life from within because of the connection with Jesus and because there's found, we found or there is meaning which reminds me of, which reminded me of uh, the need to fight apathy with spirituality. We can't fight apathy with going out because it's still, we're still not really safe going out. We can't fight apathy because we can't get with our friends the way we want to get with our friends. We can't fight apathy by fantasy or avoidance. We've watched everything on Netflix there is to watch. There's nothing else. We can't fight, you know, so we keep running to all these roadblocks for common ways to fight apathy. But God is calling us for something deeper that will help us overcome it. So think about this. Apathy is anchored in the historical events of our day. So just as apathy, that re the resulting feeling of apathy or the attitude of apathy coming out of all of the things that are happening and making us feel overwhelmed, these are the historical events of our day. Just as apathy moves through that context, so too must spirituality be anchored in the historical reality of God acting here and now that God is involved in the events of our time. I need to be set free. I need to be able to see the freedom that I still have despite my times. I need to see Jesus. From that which 
I need to be set free from that which fights to separate me from God and from others, from all of creation. I need to be set free from the rising apathy, even as apathy is attempting to rescue me, to protect me from the overwhelming stress. It, even though it seeks that, it is disconnecting me. And in that disconnection, I believe there's death because there's isolation. I need a new path. Now, Henry Nouwen uh, was a priest and the author of so many books on spiritual life. And many of us receive his devotionals in the morning. And there are still uh, enclaves that are practicing the spiritual life uh, according to his instruction. He wrote the foreword of a book uh, by Gustavo Gutierrez. Um, and so for the remainder um, of my sermon, I want to focus on on some opening thoughts on liberation theology um, that we will explore uh, for the next four weeks um, in addition to black liberation theology. But I want to open with some thoughts on that. Um, in the book called We Drink From Our Own Wells, Henry Nouwen wrote this. As in all true spiritualities, this spirituality of liberation is deeply rooted in lived experience of God's presence in history, an experience that is as unique and new for the poor of Latin America as it was for St. Benedict, for St. Francis of Assisi, for St. Ignatius of uh, Loyola, and for their followers. And I say to you, Mosaic and friends, that we need a spirituality that is deeply rooted in our lived experience of God in the history that's being written each day of our lives. Now one goes on to say that spirituality is like living water that springs up from the very depths of our experience of faith. To drink from our own wells is to live our own life with the spirit of Jesus as we encounter him in our concrete historical reality to believe that God still moves and acts now in ways that are visible. There, it has everything to do with the tangible, audible, visual experience of God, an experience so real that it can become the foundation of our life project, the foundation of our lives. I opened my sermon spotlighting some of the shocking and unimaginable things happening right now before our eyes. And in attempting, and in attempting to say that we are, are experiencing such incredible shock to our systems, right? That to combat being consumed, some of us um, have experienced or are experiencing an apathy of survival, for survival. I call apathy the enemy because it can steal our will to fight. It steals our ability to care. It makes us tired and listless. We're living in those kinds of times that it threatens our very existence. It's like, look, either we wake up and change intentionally, that we move away intentionally from ap apathy, or we be paralyzed and we let the forces that be move us at their will and inflict upon us whatever they desire. We have to fight. No, uh, 
Nowen also wrote, despite or even thanks to the immense price being paid then by the Latin American poor back in the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, he said of that time, the present situation is nourishing new paths to be followed and providing reason for profound joy. Now, some of us may be too young to remember, but there was a, a time of great distress. Um, Magda shared a bit about her country and that the police were corrupt. There was a, a time of great distress in Latin America back then. There were military uprisings and where the people, uh, particularly the poor, were abused. Uh, they could be picked up along the street if they protested or fought against it or tried to rally the people. They could be picked up along the street and never seen again. Um, hunger about, abound, spiritual or political corruption was intense and nothing and nowhere was safe because you didn't know who was with you really and who wasn't. The needs were so great that for the sake of saving your family, people may have uh, uh, told about someone else in a movement trying to protest or rally people. So nothing and nowhere was safe, including the church, which officially aligned itself with the elite in many corrupt governments. But there were ministers of the gospel who connected with God and found meaning in the struggle to liberate themselves and others from the oppressive rulers that blinded the eyes of so many they were blinded to their own captivity in the system because these ministers dared to preach good news to the poor. They did this after they deepened their own spirituality. They left that which was of the church, and a great portion of that was the Catholic Church. It has been documented. Um, they left that which was a part of the church and the official stances of the church. And they aligned themselves with God, with that connection with God. And God's connection is always with the people and always with the poor. And many of them paid with their very lives for the preaching of the gospel, for standing up for what was right. But their spirituality, they had deepened it so much that there was meaning in the pursuit for justice. There was meaning in standing up for the poor. There was meaning and value. And they believed that they would see a new day, if not in their lifetime, in the lifetimes of the people that they were leading. It was from their unique and renewing encounters with the living Christ, they thrived, they found joy in the struggle for liberation. I believe that we have so much that we can learn from them. I want you to consider right now where you are in your conversion since you first believed? What is the nature of your current spirituality? What is the nature of your connection with Jesus? And how is Jesus helping you discover meaning at this time? Is apathy winning? Are you and I willing to deepen our connection in our present situation so that we can find a new nourishing path or new nourishing paths that provide us with reasons for profound joy. We need to see Jesus and experience God acting on our behalf. In Acts 12, Peter needed to see and experience God acting in his time for him. 
He needed to know that God was still moving. Even though he had lived and seen it in Jesus, he needed to know that the same God who enabled Jesus to live was still present. And so I'm going to ask that you guys, I'm going to give you an overview of, of Acts 12 because it's long and ask you to read it this week as you consider those questions that I asked. So here's a quick overview. Herod was king and he was arresting those who were um, members, uh, followers of Jesus and he was persecuting them. He had just killed James, the brother of John, the boys of thunder. Um, and the Jews were good with the killing of, of James because they wanted to stop this new movement. Then Herod grabbed Peter. Now, they wanted to bring Peter up on trial, but it was the, um, the Festival of Unleavened Bread, and they wanted to wait until that was over and Passover was over and then present Peter for trial. So they assigned four squads of soldiers to guard Peter. He was that significant. And on the night before Peter uh, was to be presented for trial, Peter, they made Peter sleep between two soldiers, and he was bound to them. So there was no way Peter could get out of there, right? But God acting in human history. God sent an angel to Peter's cell. And the angel woke Peter because Peter needed to witness what was, what was happening. He didn't need magic. He needed to see that God acts in history. Not voila, but I'm here. I see you and I'm going to help. So the angel told Peter to get up. Peter's chains fell off. Peter got dressed and followed the angel out and he went past. He got loose from the, the two soldiers he was chained to. He went outside and walked past the ones who were guarding the, the, uh, the cell. He walked on and came out of the, the, the area that they had kept him and no one stopped him. Um, you see, when Peter was arrested, there were a group of believers who prayed for Peter, and they entered into some serious intercession. The scripture says they prayed early, I mean, earnestly for him, that God would spare his life. They had just lost James. They did not want to lose Peter, right? And so they had been praying. This miracle was happening, right? And when Peter was walking through all of these events. Peter actually thought he was seeing a vision like he'd seen of, the, of the, uh, the sheep coming down from heaven. It was so vivid, that that vision, that he thought he was experiencing another vivid vision from God. But then he realized that this thing was really happening and that he really had been set free. God was acting in Peter's reality. Peter went to the house where the followers were that had been praying for him, and he knocked on the door, you know, like he's a fugitive now, right? He's on the run. He's knocking, let me in, let me in. Someone comes to the door. Her name was Rhoda. She asked who it was. He said Peter, and she left him at the door, which I always laugh at when I read it. She left him at the door and went and told everybody that Peter's at the door, and they're like, no, you're, you're, something's wrong with you, whatever. You, you're imagining things, but they went to the gate because Peter was still there knocking, and they let Peter in. You see, all those people needed to witness God hearing their prayer and acting in their reality. Because life, with Corinth going around persecuting the church, life was making it seem like God wasn't as active, that God wasn't as powerful, and apathy could have seized their hearts, just like it's attempting to seize ours. 
So they needed to see that God was alive and acting in their reality. And so do we. We need to be converted to a belief that God is still acting in human history, in our history, at this time today. We need to deepen our spirituality to connect with Jesus and find meaning. And, 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 and from that meaning, we need to act. Because God is engaged in history with us, for us, through us. And so I want to ask again these questions, if I can find them. Have you been converted since you first believed? How is God acting? How are you connecting with Jesus? And how are you experiencing God acting in your lives today? I ask this as the beginning work for us, as an initial step, as we continue to talk about spirituality, because we need that conversion to ask the Lord to help me see, to help you see God acting today, God moving, God being concerned today, that, that God would help us fight the apathy that we're feeling uh, as we experience oppression, not just for ourselves, but for others. Because when someone else is oppressed, because of how God created us and the connection that God has called us, he's called us to be one so that, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 has said that even Jesus, who is the head, can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. We need each other. And so we all are experiencing the oppression of, of black lives not mattering in the world. We're all experiencing the oppression of our children being taken from us. We're all experiencing the oppression of children in cages. We're all experiencing the oppression of, of COVID and the loss of mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers. We're all experiencing a government that is not listening, but telling us what we, what we are to think, telling us what we see. Don't, don't worry about what's actually there, like the Wizard of Oz. Don't pay attention to the man in the little room but the man in the little room is the one who really is acting. And we need to know that God is bigger, that God has a plan. And it's only through deepening the connections and not distancing ourselves. We need to embrace a spirituality, a walk with God that connects and that becomes that foundation. Am I connecting with Jesus? And what meaning is that connection giving me? And so I ask all of us, have we been converted to that since we first believed? May God bless us as a sharing of his word. I asked uh, Chris Uanda if she would pray for us uh, as a part of uh, the prayer team um, about this and that um, she would lead us you know, just to humbling our hearts before God and seeking God's face for that change, for those kinds of changes. I want to lead us in that experience of a living God, the call upon God for, for us to see and experience God and move forward under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And so Chris, if you would uh, want to share it with us. Thank you. Sorry, learning how to unmute. Um, yeah, let's pray. So Lord Jesus, I just, I thank you that you are eternal God, that 
you have been living and moving and active throughout all of human history, Lord. And as the children of Israel suffered through the enslavement in Egypt, as um, in King David's time, they, they faced invasion after invasion and the exile to Babylon, Lord. In the early days of the church, when they were hunted and, and uh, persecuted, Lord, you are the same. You are eternal, Lord. And so the circumstances that we're in now, it's, it's not anything new to you, Lord. You, you understand the human condition and, and how things work. And so, Father, I pray that as a congregation, we would embrace the circumstances as a time for you to work in our lives that it's not just a placeholder, that we're not just sort of treading water until things go back to normal. But this is, is a time in which you are still working and you are still active. Father, I pray that we would grow deeper in our sense of your presence, that, um, that we would seek out your presence, whether that be in, in a time of peaceful quietness in our homes or a walk in nature or however we connect best with you, Lord. I pray that you would help each one of us to understand that your presence is possible um, whenever we seek to meet with you and whenever we meet together and that you, your presence extends beyond uh, computers and technology. Um, and so I just want to close with... Um, a prayer from Ephesians that I think is very applicable for today. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. And Lord, I just pray that as a church body, that starting today, Lord, we would experience your power in a new way, that your love is so great that it takes all of our lifetimes to even begin to understand the fullness of it. And yeah, just uh, look forward, God, to what you're going to be doing in our midst and in our presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so it didn't get recorded the way it should have. But you know what's funny, Chris? Um, I actually had attached a benediction to the end of that song, and that was the benediction. Um, and so it just shows me again that God is moving and working and directing and that you're listening and, and all. And so it's really cool. I really believe that we are a community of faith, that we collaborate. I get to lead and discover and grow and what that means. But I know that a, port, that a part of that, a very large part of that means listening. 
And so I get to listen to you, to listen to your hearts. And I do want to hear from you. There are lots of you guys. I try to make my rounds through to connect, but please know that you can connect with me. And it's funny that I say that, because I say that just as I'm about to say, I'm about to go on vacation, but you can still reach out and email. I'm going to take uh, about a week and a half off. It's supposed to be two weeks, I know. I'm going to take about a week and a half off. I'm going to go visit my mom and spend some time with her. Next week, uh, Jamie will be with you. He's going to talk about what it means to be spiritually connected um, as uh, through scripture and as defined currently in our mission statement. And uh, we're going to explore that, and we're, we're going to keep exploring this thing. I'm going to be back, and I'm going to talk about um, how we're all poor. So that when God says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, he's talking about all of us. Um, and that is not to neglect the spiritual, I mean, the uh, financial and real poverty that exists. But I think we all need to be able to recognize ourselves in their poverty, that their poverty makes me impoverished and wherever there's poverty we're all impoverished so um may you be blessed in this week uh, may you find rest and peace and may you answer those questions you know about your how how your spirituality is going and how you can deepen it be blessed guys i will see you in uh the next week's coming bye-bye